podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, thanks for listening to the show. Join your hosts, Bill Alfstead and Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, hi, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alfstead, sitting down with co-host Keith Myers, here to talk Seahawks football. We've got a kind of a recap show for you today uh, where the uh, discussion is going to be centered around uh, either how bad or how good the Seahawks are and what they can do in the remainder of the season. Uh, Seahawks just dropped their fourth game in a row to the San Francisco 49ers. Um, uh, Seattle's outscored Seattle, uh, just this season, 59 to 29. Um, Yikes. It, it's kind of, it's been kind of brutal. Um, it's their fifth loss in a row to the 49ers as well. Uh, I hope you're doing good. Uh, these shows are always tough for us, uh, to come in and do because there's just not a lot of, uh, optimism and, um, and so it makes it uh, a little bit of a treachery to get through these things, but uh, we'll do our best. Hope you're doing well. Welcome in. Yeah. Um, it is one of those things where this is a, this is a team moving in the wrong direction. They've lost four straight. And I know the last three have been two against the 49ers and one against um, the Cowboys. Those are some really good football teams, um, but it's still four straight. You still got to at least pick one up in that stretch, and um, the you know having the Rams you know start that off is is was kind of a mess too. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of things going wrong right now. Although I will say, um, you didn't happen to see the Minnesota Las Vegas game, did you? No. It finished three zero. So as bad as things looked. Um, at times for Seattle, it wasn't that. So <laughs> it's really, you're uh, right. It's really hard to have a, <laughs> a logical perspective around what's happening right now, because you, it's so easy to get caught up into the emotion of football. Um, and the reality on the ground is this, and we've talked about it many different times over the course of the season. In fact, we talked about it as being one of the possibilities that could actually happen uh, before the season even started when we're doing our prediction show. We got to this stretch and there was a high likelihood you could lose three, maybe even all four of these games, not including the Rams game, um, in, in, but including this uh, Philadelphia Phil uh, Eagles um, game that's coming up next Monday night. And but still find a way through it if you could manage the the uh the kind of uh emotional impact that those games would have on the team you could you could win out uh the remaining three games and still make the playoffs and that's that's going to be the way that they do this if they end up getting into the playoffs uh, it's not going to mm -hmm. feel good it's uh, kind of backing in that there'll likely be um you know, one and done and not any better, uh, than they were last year, but there's a lot of reaction going on right now that has to do with 
fire Pete, fire Shane Waldron, fire Clint Hurt, blow it all up, start over from scratch, rebuild completely. Um, where I disagree with that is, is almost entirely with all of that because I don't think you have to do that. It's not that drastic. Uh, we've got a lot of great pieces. I think, uh, the reality is John Schneider has knocked it out of the park in the last two drafts. Now, some of those things haven't completely worked out yet, but there are significant pieces added to this team going forward. And then for whatever reason, it seems like they just have missed a little bit on some of their veteran pieces as they've added to it. Now they brought back Bobby Wagner and Bobby Wagner has a great impact mentally on the team, but physically he's been a, a step short on in coverage, which has hurt this team. Uh, there's, there's a number of different things. Uh, China Nwasu was re-extended gonna... it, it, you know, to start the season. He ended up getting hurt. That was a huge impact. I think a bigger impact than anybody really lets on, you know, Smith has regressed a little bit. I think Shaden Waldron has had a problem calling some of these games, getting his people, his best people in position to be successful on the offensive side. And then just a number of other little things that kind of waterfall effect uh, out of all of that. So it's a it's a big it's a big thing to kind of put your your mind around. But I don't think it's it's like it's it's as huge of a problem as it's being made out to be this week after this loss because we're right in the middle of it. It's going on mm-hmm. right now. Things are not going well, well I think the we expectations can, were let's, set let's pick some of the, let's pick some of this apart because um the defense was terrible in this game um yes. yeah, just both. big play after big play mm-hmm. after big play yeah. um i mean you've got uh to the tune of nine nine and a half yard average yeah per play and, in this game you know you look yeah. at mccaffrey had a, a 72 yard run you had um, Debo Samuel had a 54 yard reception. Ayuk had a 45 yard reception. Kittle had a 44 yard reception. Like these are all, big. all led to scores. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah, all four of and those Seattle led to had, scores. They Seattle scored had four big touchdowns. plays too. Yeah. Seattle had big plays too. They had, they had 12. We had 11, at least according to Pete. That's the way his count was. Um, but I just look at, but there's led to scores. And, and I just, I'm like, um, they were getting beat deep on a lot of passes. They were getting, they got gashed up the middle on the one McCaffrey run. Although they, they, after that one, the, that opened the game, they were much better against the run. Um, but overall, like how do you keep letting guys get behind you over and over again? Um, there was, there were just not any adjustments being made by um, Seattle's, you know, defensive coaching staff. It was one thing when, okay, they gave up the big play right up the middle at the beginning, but after that first, you know, those first two plays and gave up a touchdown, the defense uh, had something figured out. They played um, San Francisco really tight, which is how Seattle ended up with a um, 10-7 lead at one point. But then San Francisco made an adjustment mm-hmm. and Seattle didn't. And it was just San Francisco had their way. I mean, they could get any big play whenever they needed it. 
Um, and Seattle made no adjustments yeah. to try and here's fix the, Here's that. the deal. I think they did try to adjust. I just don't think that they, they were successful. Um, I, I heard Brock, uh, Brock and Salt uh, show with Pete Carroll this morning. And, um, you know, they talked, he talked specifically about that. And, and you could just see his disappointment because the game execution and, and plan was not done well. And it, and it showed up. And then he also said, and, and rightly so, um, McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Ayuk, Kittle, those, those guys are on a, uh, not just pro bowl level players. Those are all pro players. Um, and they showed up and made plays and Brock Purdy had his best game as a pro at quarterback. Uh, and he's had some good ones. I mean, he's been rock steady all, all along, but, um, you know, he had a great game, 368 yards as well, a couple touchdowns. Um, I think you just, at, at the end of the day, you you know, the world blows up on a day where you lose to the best team in the NFL. And it makes it hard because you think that you've got your shot. And, and I think we did have our shot at, at certain points in this game where we, you know, a certain play here or there, we could have, made this game a lot closer it but we lost to the best team in the nfl so that's where the perspective comes in it's like yeah but we were probably always going to lose this game um in a, in a certain sense this game was a loss on my preseason prediction show as yours was as well and it's just happens to fall on the, at this week in the nfl after you know the dallas game after the previous 49er game i mean it's it's a gauntlet it just is and then we've got this philly game so you know i would argue that the team maybe is about on par where, where it was last year as far as talent level and performance and so forth but we're just we're facing a better schedule of better teams this year and and it's kind of showing up a little bit yeah but it that doesn't that is that is true i mean this is a team that you know san francisco just has the better roster we said that going in we know that now um but it doesn't change the fact that uh our coaching staff didn't make adjustments on the defensive side of the ball Once we've lost san five francisco games in a row to the 49ers it's what? just isn't this year it's just isn't this year we've lost five games in a row significant by by significant margins yeah but i'm just saying like you have um okay five games in a row uh and and no adjustment what i'm saying is no all adjustment five, for five of them games. have had seattle's had the same defensive coordinator who has been right. unable to figure out how to put people in position to make plays yes Honestly, yeah at what like, point do you do you not attribute this to to at the top to pete carroll um, you know, I mean, the buck stops there. It, it, it's unfortunate. I don't want to, I'm not in the, uh, the, the mindset or the camp, uh, in Seahawks land in, in fandom where I'm calling for Pete Carroll's head. I'm a much more, uh, approach this thing much more logically. I've been around for a long time. I've seen a lot of games. You have too. I know how things are going to go this off season, uh, it's, it, there's probably a 10% chance of a complete turnover in, in the coaching staff from the top to the bottom. Um, this is one of the most stable franchises in the, in the league and has been for a while. 
Um, it's probably going to be Pete's choice if he moves on or leaves, and, and it's, it's probably going to come down to that. Now, is there a more likelihood that we'd see some sort of change with the uh, offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator? Yeah. Um, and so I think there, there's going to be some changes. There's going to be some accountability there. But at the, at the end of the day, I think Pete is accountable. I think he does accept responsibility, especially after listening to that show this morning. Um, yeah, but there's okay, a lot the, there. Pass pass the buck up to to Pete Carroll, sure. But who the defense didn't fail because of Pete Carroll. The defense failed because of the game plan and um the play calls and the stuff done by the coordinator. And the Yes, I know Pete Carroll was responsible Pete. for hiding or hiring the coordinator, but all what to yeah. me what it says is that okay, he made a mistake on a hire. He needs to fix that. Yeah, um, I think it I think to, that, and and somehow or another, the, the communication just isn't getting from the coach to the players. Um, and and yeah, you you do put that on the on the coaches uh, for sure, but also the players. It's like Pete was a Pete was showing some frustration with play, especially Jamal Adams and uh, Wollen in in this little interview he gave this morning, talking about execution, and and we you know. They said we went over things over and over again. It's not like anything that they did was a surprise. Everything that they did, we knew that they were going to do, and we were ready for it, at least during practice. We had schemed it up. We talked about it. Everyone was on the same page. We go out there, and boom, the players don't get it done. It just they they were out of position. They, they bit on the fake, and they weren't supposed to. So it's like there's a disconnect there, and Pete was asked, you know, it's like, do you believe that you're able to, um, that, that, that what you're communicating to your players, your message is getting through to your players? And Pete curtly answered and he said, ask them next question. And then he was like, he was asked to clarify and he went on to describe the dynamic of his message to, that, that goes through to his coaches and then his coaches to his players and the players taking it out on the field. And he said, it's just not happening consistently. But he said, ultimately, it's my responsibility to get that done. So I, I hear what you're saying. And I hear what Pete is saying. Like, we're all kind of saying the same thing. But at the end of the day, that responsibility does stop with the, with the head coach. But I think there's truly some frustration going on with what the players are doing. See, I, um, I, on the, the whole on the field. it stops with the head coach part. I, I don't I. He's, it is he's not said Pete that. Carroll. It is not Pete Carroll's responsibility to put the game plan together and call the plays. Um, that's on his defensive coordinator and the well, defensive coaching. I think what he's staff. answering for is the fact that he's hired. He's made these hires. Sure, these people. Yeah, answer and so him, okay, and that's, that's fine. The buck so, stops there. So admit that that was a mistake and move on there. But to say, oh, it's his fault that the guys are getting beat deep is simply incorrect. Right, well, that's not what I'm saying. That's Pete Carroll's that's not job. What I'm isn't that Pete Carroll's job is about creating culture. It's about leading uh, people and helping them develop as humans and, and the things that make people buy into the team and everything. He right. does that. It's the X and O part that happens underneath him where everything's failing. That's why people calling for Pete's head. Like I, I just don't think they get it. I don't think they get what his responsibility is and, and what his job is. Um, where the problem is as far as that stuff 
is it's coming from on the defensive coaching staff. Now, there's also the fact that Jamal Adams has been bad. Um, Diggs has been bad. Um, Wollen has regressed quite a bit from last year. He's making a lot of mental mistakes. Um, and what should have been, oh, and Love has just been bad too. What should have been a strength of this defense being the, the secondary has been a weakness, especially at safety. And when you've got $40 million of your cap being eaten up by your three safeties, well, guess what? Now you've got holes elsewhere that you couldn't fill because you're paying a lot of money for bad safety play. Yeah. So, And just to get out of those contracts next year, it's going to cost Seattle $20 million in dead cap to move on. But we'll have that conversation later. But I agree with you. Yeah, but they'll get it. There'll be a lot of dead cap money, but they will actually gain cap space by cutting those players. True. That is true. So, um, and honestly, from what you're getting for love, you can replace um, his production with a veteran minimum player. Or, or a draft pick. <laughs> right. Right. And so, I mean, that's easy. Um, Diggs and, and um, uh, Adams have not been $18 million worth of cap space good. They haven't been good. So if you're, you know, uh, if you're playing based on you know quality of play and production they're what uh four million dollar player and they're playing 18 million for it um getting those guys off the books and getting better players in there would do a lot if you actually had um real safety play in this game uh you would have seen a different game because at least a couple of those plays those big touchdown plays wouldn't have happened for better or for worse, Keith, I kind of like this stretch in a, in a demented sort of way. I get it. Uh, I like this stretch for the Seahawks because it tells us exactly who we are as a team, where we're at as a team, and where we're not. Um, it, it, it heightens the focus of what needs to be done, and sometimes those are the hardest things to discover during a season. But here we are. We've got all this laid out for us now. We're not even close. We're not even close to the Rams. Rams beat us twice this year. We're not at all close to the 49ers. The 49ers could, I think, line up against us right now and beat us 10 out of 10 times. Uh, the Dallas game was in question for a little while, but Dallas is is is, is better um, ultimately than, than we are. And so we're, we, we thought we were, uh, you know, expectation-wise, this is where it gets real hard for us because expectation was uh, we beat expectations last year. We went nine and eight. Geno Smith led the team to the playoffs in, in the first year of really a, a rebuild. This is the second year of a quote unquote three year rebuild, which usually takes, you know, three years to kind of complete that cycle. And, but expectations were set last year. We made the playoffs this year. We're going to go just a little bit further and that just hasn't happened. And uh, even though we've added, added the talent, we've had a successful draft. Uh, two drafts back to back, um, it hasn't translated. And so now you kind of question everything and it's going to be a difficult off season because I don't think it's going to be a difficult off season. They, they have added talent. They added talent on the defensive line. They added talent, um, at, uh, you know, wide receiver and running back and, and that kind of stuff. But they've regressed at safety and they had an opportunity to 
cut Jamal Adams loose and save a bunch of cap space and use that to improve the team. And they chose not to. Um, Okay. Now they get to do it this coming year instead. Uh, But they've regressed at safety. They've, um, you know, regressed. Well, I can't say they regressed. They didn't improve on the interior of the offensive line. They regressed considerably at quarterback. Uh, and yeah, so and it, that, those re- that regression is what's causing them to come up short, even though they added talent in other positions. Overall, they're about the same. They added talent in some places and lost talent, if you want to say, if you want to use that part, um, in others. Yes, but but my larger point in the off season was that it's going to be difficult. They've got difficult decisions to make. A, yes, they can get rid of Diggs, they can get rid of Love, they they can get rid of Jamal Adams in the off season. That their their contracts are able to do that. Yes, but they have to replace those guys. They have to integrate those guys into it into a new scheme, et cetera. Bobby Wagner, decisions will need to be made at middle linebacker. Bobby Wagner and Jordan Brooks, last year of their contracts, those guys are probably unlikely back. So we're going to literally the middle of the defense, the entire middle of the defense is going to be remade. So that's what I'm talking about, the difficulties. Leonard Williams, you have to re-sign the guy or you had, you, you paid a second round, high second round draft. That pick is number 44 in the draft right now. High second round draft pick for a 10-game rental if you don't re-sign Leonard Williams. And and he's worth re-signing. The guy's probably our best defensive player in the last five weeks, even though he hasn't that hasn't translated to wins. So those are decisions that need to be made that are difficult. For, I guess for I me. just don't see the safety decision as hard. It's not a hard decision. It's, it's hard replacing decision. guys. Yeah. It's so just you, hard replacing them, them when you don't have a lot of draft capital and you don't have a lot of cap space. Like I said, I cutting those guys loose will give you cap space and replacing their play isn't a challenge considering they've been bad. Like yeah. Julian I Love is I mean, think replacement level. Yeah. Yes. And, I mean, and Diggs is, is overhyped. Diggs, by Diggs himself, has not been actually. good this year. He is not. He is not. <laughs> he, he's his best advocate um, for his play, but it hasn't translated on the field. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, and then on the offense, it, it starts with Gino. It's like, uh, what do you do there? Um, you know, his contract goes way up where he's going to make over $30 million. He's making 10 million this year. Uh, you got to make a decision there. It's either restructure or, or cut loose. Uh, Drew Locke, did he do enough in this game to, to give you a glimpse of, you know, is it the, the same or equal to, um, to Gino Smith and, and, so you keep the younger, less expensive player um, on on the roster next year. Cut Geno loose and draft a, a quarterback. I'm just saying they're not easy decisions, and this this team, uh, in all likelihood, may end up not being any better than it is this year, just because of of the quarterback situation. Um, well, and the so quarterback it's, it's situation tough. is is the biggest question. Um, you and I were texting back and forth during the game about this, and and I will come back to this. I make you lose your starting quarterback and you give your backup one day of preparation um, with the starters and the offense were, was about the same. If anything, the it, worked slight, it, was. 
it worked slightly better um, with in, Drew Locke than it did with Gino. In the scripted portion of the the, the show, yes. Um, in, in Shane Waldron's first 15 plays, they seem to do pretty well. Uh, Drew Locke, I'll give Drew Locke credit. He did look great that first drive after we allowed them to, to run down the field in two plays. Uh, the, the first drive we were on the field, nice drive. Um, Drew finished 21 to 31, 269 yards, couple touchdowns in the first half. Um, th- touchdowns in the first half, but he also had four sacks and two interceptions in the second half, which uh, impacted um, one wasn't his fault, but um, but he could have had, I'm going to say, Keith, three other interceptions potentially that, that could have uh, happened um, had the 49ers not dropped the ball and, and, and so forth. Yeah, and the Seahawks could have had four picks um, in this game. If our, right? Um, I just look at Gino has those, those throws every game too. Just I would say at, that the Gino Drew Locke thing was a wash. I think Gino, if he would have played, may may have had the same sort of ish stat lines and so forth. I think though, which is kind of good news in in a sense for Drew Locke in that the kid can still play. He's got he's got some upside, but he's also got those moments, just like Gino Smith, really. But that's the point: is uh, Drew Locke's going to make four and a half million, and Gino's going to make thirty. And if the offense is is the same with both of them, isn't this an obvious choice? Like at what? It seems obvious, Keith. But you know what? That the quarterback spot is a real special uh, position that takes a lot more than just one game to show you who is actually the the more competent player that that commands the huddle, that commands the team as a respected leader, and so forth. I don't know where Drew Locke is in that equation yet. True. And we don't know that, but I can tell you that Drew Locke got the ball out of his hands faster than Gino has in all season, except for one game. And the offense moved the ball. Yeah. There were mistakes made and and whatever, but it's also his first start and he got one day of practice. I will say this, this, that, that Drew Locke gave the team a chance to win. Yeah. If our defense would have shown up and not allowed 550 yards of total offense. Yeah. And, and, and 12 chunk plays. I just over don't 20 yards. And, um, I, it's one of those things where most of the time in a salary cap league, you got to look at it. If you can get 80% of the production at 20% of the price, you usually take that trade. Except because for the you, quarterback position, you because can that, that 20% is huge. Yeah. But I don't think you're taking 80% of the production. I think you're taking 95% of the production at 20% of the price. And you may even have larger upside. Yeah. Because he's a younger player who's only yet, got a few starts. Exactly. Um, but you don't know that. And you're going to, yeah, you've you already Gino said at no the beginning upside. of the, you, you've already said at the beginning of the show that you think this team's not that far away. It's just a few pieces, which I agree with actually. Um, and you're going to hand it to a player that has a lot of upside potential, but a lot of unknowns. And yeah, but the thing is, we're probably dropped the guy. Gino you've is a bunch of knowns and it's known to be not good enough. So and he's I old. would rather, he's older. I, I love Gino, I would but rather he's older. Give it he's to not a the player future. who might be better than to someone who I know isn't good enough. 
just I because think, I know. So, so you're saying you give it to Drew Locke and a draft pick, and yeah. you you let them compete, and Drew probably yeah. ends up winning. Especially that because job when and, you look at where Seattle's going to be drafting, like, um, you know, they're not Drake May is not falling to them, right? Um, they're not getting. You know, he just uh, declared that he's going to he's going to uh, enter the draft too. By the way, today this afternoon, yeah, Caleb Williams is. You know, those those guys are going. Uh, those guys are, guys are going right at the top of the draft. So you're looking down the list a little bit. Penix, Bonex, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. Those are the guys that you're looking they, for. You're looking at is, yeah. is guys like Penix, guys like Bonex. Um, and a lot of things right now are projecting both of them to go late second. Okay. Seattle doesn't have a second round pick, but maybe they do some trading and some moving around in order to make um, that happen. But okay. You get, a guy that can come in and compete with Drew Locke and give you some real upside, not just th- for next year, but for the future, and not pay Gino $30 million. We're not going to pay Gino $30 million. We, we both agree on that. No, he may Yeah, but I would have thought the they team, wouldn't have paid Jamal make Adams million. $18 million, and yet they did. It would be a huge mistake to, to continue Gino Smith's contract as it is. Mm-hmm. or re-up him for three years. I think that you have to cut, and and um, if he comes back on his own accord, that's fine um, for, a, for a lower price. But you're right. I, I would take, as, as it currently stands in the structure that we're talking about, I take Drew Locke in the same scenario that you've advocated for because that makes the most sense. I will say that a lot of Geno Smith's contract this first year was um incentives and he's not hitting any of them so yes yeah um, yes, the Seahawks are going to get a nice rebate of all that ta- uh cap room um for all the unhit incentives uh going into next year i'm not sure exactly how that's um how that's done maybe you you know or we need to do a little bit yeah of so a lot of them they sure just that... automatically count and then when you if you hit them you've already um applied for them if you don't hit them, then, then then that gets you know rebated back to you for the following season. It used to be the other way around where uh, it didn't count and then it did later. And then they went to a system where it was like likely to achieve, be achieved and unlikely to be achieved. <clears throat> but even then, what you and I would consider likely and unlikely wasn't what the league did. It was all stats related and you know um, more of is this a possibility? And it became, I don't know, it was just weird. And so then with this new CBA, they went to um, just incentives count until they don't, they're not hit. And then you get that money back in the following season. And so that's really what they're at. So they, they had to pay uh, in terms of cap space. They used up a lot of it for Gino um, for those incentives, but next year they get that cap money cap room back. So it, um, yeah, they'll get a nice, uh, a nice boost that way. And we'll see what they choose to do with it. I just hope that they start looking. I mean, Gino gave the team some, um, some hope last year played really well, um, really looked good. And at times and, and looked like, okay, maybe, maybe he just needed it, needed this chance. And and this was, this is finally going to work for him. But what he's shown this year is that, it's just not. Um, and so it comes down at some point, you have to just 
you have to just recognize that Gino is who he is. He's a we've also league average starter. We've also seen a Shane Waldron equation here that that has to be talked about a little bit that I think has an impact on would have an impact on any quarterback that we would have in this system. Um, and I'm not exactly sure what kind of an impact, but it seems like no matter who we'd have under center, some of these issues would exist with Shane Waldron. I don't know because when, when the quarterback runs the offense as it's being called by your offensive coordinator, it works. When they get the ball out of their hands and they do what they're supposed to do, the offense works fine. But Gino holding on to the ball and being just refusing to make a decision, um, like, is killing this team. Yeah, and I think I think that you know the offensive line play. You mentioned the interior of the offensive line is being problematic. I agree with that. I think Evan Brown's you know fine in certain schemes. He's very scheme specific though. And it just doesn't seem to be working, especially in our own conference facing, you know, the guys that we need to face. He seems to get overpowered and so forth. And we've had that problem in the past um, prior to him as well. So I think, you know, Oluwatimi, I would love to see in there. I don't know why he wouldn't be playing right now in this situation. Um, But I think that's part of the problem is the offensive line. Then I think the coordinator issue is an issue at, at some level. And then, of course, the quarterback play being inconsistent as well. I think there's just, you know, at different times, it's it's one of the three or all three or whatever. On the defensive side, it's a little bit more complicated for me. Um, and like, I think Diggs summed it, summed it up pretty decent. Um, he said, you can have the talent, but I've been on less talented defense that's been more technique sound and more in tune with what's going on. Dig said, it's cool to be talented, but I've played this game a long time, not by being talented. I've played this game by being consistent in my approach and what I do each and every week. At some point we got to learn from our mistakes and go from there. You know, it would be nice if reiterated. It would be nice if he lived up to that. I agree. You know, I agree. Yes. And it, and it's not just him not being consistent. It's Julian Love. It's Jamal Adams. It's Bobby Wagner not being able to, to keep up in coverage. Um, it's it's Daryl Taylor not being able to set an edge. Even though, you know, and I, I kind of blame the coaches a little bit for that. In that, why are, are you playing Daryl Taylor to, to set the edge in the first place? Because um, it shouldn't know also got hurt. True, that is true. So, what do you come away from this game? What's your overall kind of sense about everything? You you sound to me you sounded a little bit more realistic and optimistic than I thought you would. I mean, I think that this is a team that um, you look at how Philly's playing right now. I think Seattle can still come out and win this coming week because Philly's not playing well. Their offense is falling apart. Um, that's a beatable team. And then you got three very winnable games to finish up the year. Um, and you could get to nine or 10 wins. You could still get into the playoffs. I like, 
I still think that's where Seattle is. They're not going anywhere in the playoffs, um, but they could still get there. Where you yes. run into a problem for with the Seahawks is that if you're not going anywhere in the playoffs, what are you doing this year? Right. You're um, there's been a, I think like you were saying, all needs to play him and, and Evan Brown have been roughly a wash. Why not play the younger player and just let him play Bradford needs to be the every down player at right guard. And now it looks like he's going to finally be given that job. Um, that's the kind of thing that they need to do. They need to uh, figure out what they're, you know, uh, going to do at middle linebacker. If it's Jordan Brooks, if he's coming back, you know, give him the opportunity to show that he, you know, is the guy that they thought he, when he, when they drafted him um, and, you know, maybe let, maybe have Bobby Wagner's uh, snap numbers drop from a hundred percent to 80% or whatever, and work some other things in there. I just think in the end, you have to start examining this team, looking at next year at the same time while you're trying to sneak into the playoffs. Yeah. So um, this was Drew Locke's opportunity. I mean, it came on sudden. He's been a backup, you know, for this, for this team almost two years. Uh, got his opportunity. Um, what did you think? I thought that his athleticism showed his ability to extend plays and his arm. He's got a freaking cannon on his arm. He that, short, I mean, shorted the ball a couple different times though. Like a, like DK to DK Metcalf. And I can't remember the other one, but I was, well, like, the one DK. Yeah. That was just short. That's how, why it came up and got picked was he just didn't put it out there far enough. Um, and then the other one, his hand actually got hit. That's true. So, I don't know. I'm not putting that one on him. Um, that's more of an offensive line issue. But I look at, you know, with that, I, I think he's clearly got a cannon for an arm and he's got some athleticism. He looked like he was a guy that has had one practice with the starters and just was not in sync with any of his receivers, um, especially guys like Lockett, who you know, is good enough player. Like you got to get him the ball and let him do things. Well, but, and we went to 11 straight possessions without targeting DK Metcalf as well after the first quarter. Yeah. And that's a problem. Especially yeah, with their this, best, this next their best game corner will be, out. This next game will be interesting, whether it's Drew Locke or Geno Smith. I don't know that it necessarily matters. Yeah, um, that's the thing is it doesn't. As long as the defense is playing like, like they've been playing. Well, I didn't even mean saying that. I mean, just in terms of the offense, it doesn't matter which of the two quarterbacks are playing. That's what this game showed me. The 49ers are an elite defense, and the offense kind of worked, which is the best it's done all year, other than the one uh, Dallas game. It's kind of worked at any point this year, and it kind of worked with Locke against a really good defense. So yeah, does and it without matter? a running game, really. I mean, we had what thirteen or fourteen rushes in this game. Um, um that's that's tough. That's rough. Charbonnet. Yeah, the, the running game yards. didn't didn't work well. I mean, um, they actually had seventeen rushes by running backs. Um, Walker went eight attempts for twenty one yards for two point six average. That's not going to cut it. 
any especially one, since he got 12, 12 of those yards, yards on one yeah. run right 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 so that's um seven rushes Getting for stuffed, eight yards on the other rushes the um charbonnet went sure. nine attempts for 44 yards or 4.9 yeah. average but again 23 of those yards were on one run which was a really nice run by the way made a couple of guys miss yeah. up in at the second level like that one run by Walker that he had the 12 yards, that was amazing. Yeah. Like it was completely cut off to one side. He cut back all the way across the field and, and picked up that yardage. Um, Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I think that, that Locke earned an opportunity to compete next year in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a long way from now. It's such a long, long way from now. There's so much that's going on with this team. I don't even know. Like if this thing can rally and we can end up winning four in a row or three out of the last four, get into the playoffs, win a game or something, this whole kind of discussion turns to to quite a bit more positive and, and we are just a few pieces away and it doesn't have to be so drastic and, you know. That so sort of thing. if they you gotta be careful though, because being mediocre is is a trap in the NFL. If you go and you win three to the next four and you sneak into the playoffs, you're probably drawing Dallas in that first game. I'd take that matchup. Dallas on the road. You know, you gotta play I'm assuming somebody. at this point that 49ers are gonna get that one seed. Um Dallas looks like they're going to win the East and um, have the two seed. And so if Seattle makes the playoff, it'll be as the the seven and they go on the road to play Dallas. Yeah. Or the lions. Yeah. I, I don't care. I, I really honest. I don't care who we play. I, you know, Seattle could get hot at, at a certain time. I just don't know what's going on with the defense. Like the offense is going to be hit and miss. I think maybe they could put a game together. Uh, but the defense just is just not good against good offenses. It's just they, they get exposed against the run and, and their pass defense is, is susceptible to big chunk plays. It, it it has been all year. I don't see that changing. I think that's the that's the downfall of this team in the end is the defense. But we'll see. It'll be a very interesting offseason. Lots of of question marks. I mean, there there's there's serious big time talk out there now about you know coaching changes and all that stuff out out of this losing streak. I think those folks have lost perspective though of what this gauntlet of games really was in the season. Um, yeah, I get and, that, but I also think that um, the gauntlet of games has exposed some concerns well we were certainly hoping to go 500 in this gauntlet when the season started. i mean that was if you're going to go compete for a super bowl then yeah you're going to do that but uh when it became apparent throughout the first you know 10 games um until this stretch started that you weren't that team because gino had regressed and you're not getting that far with a, um, a league average quarterback then okay you know, this stretch is going to be a thing, but if you don't just look at wins and losses and you actually look at the games itself, I think the, the issues in, in at, especially at defensive coordinator, um, really start to show up. 
and there's a lot of talent on this team and they're not doing a lot with it on the mm-hmm. defensive side of the ball. And that is something that I think you can look at and, you know, move forward with. Cause I don't think this team is going um, anywhere. And I think that if you want to make that jump next year, you want to get better and you want to make that jump. That's one of the places you got to start. You got to, you need a defensive coaching staff that can put your playmakers in position to make plays. And that's not happening right now. Cool. Well, thanks. Thanks for coming on talking football, man. It's always a, it's always a pleasure. It's like, sometimes you just don't really know because so so much is broken. Um, But actually, you know, to me, it's not terrible. It's not terrible. It's just, these are, these are hard games against some of the best teams in the NFL, these last three. And then we got one more to go. So we'll see if we can eke this out. I feel, I'll feel a little bit better. Um, so we'll come back this week and we'll talk about, um, that, that Monday night game, which will be fun. It'll be a fun game. It's at home. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, you can find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. You can find me at NWC Hawk. The show is Seahawks playbook podcast. It's on your favorite podcast platform. When you see it, hit the subscribe button. We've got our own YouTube channel. Uh, do the same there, share it, uh, leave a comment and, um, like the interaction on there as well. So until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk, Keith is at Myers NFL, and the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com. Podcast Network.